Welcome to the Quantum Love Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Grant. In this show, we'll be exploring all things love, relational mastery, and the initiations that that entails, and what the journey looks like and feels like when we open up and let love lead. Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I am very excited to be here with you today. As you can probably tell, I'm feeling a lot better. Uh, That was a gnarly ride (laughs) for the last month um, of kind of in and out of feeling not so great and then having moments where I felt better. And then, you know, it just, it took a while. It took a while for my energy to really come back into almost full form. I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm there quite yet, but I, I imagine I'm about 90% back to, back to my top form, which feels really good. And today we're going to dive into a topic that I am just so fascinated by. It's also something that has really uh, been present in my personal relational journey. And it's this the it it's this the it's this idea of endings as failures. So when we come up against a breakup or an ending of any kind. Now this could be a friendship ending, this could be a client ending, this could be a ro- like a romantic relationship ending, this could be familial, this could be at a job. Whenever we come to the end point, there's this automatic assumption that happens in the collective consciousness that collapses an ending with failure. So if we subscribe to that belief system that endings equal failure, when something ends, we are going to feel like shit. When something ends, we might, you know, tip ourselves into a shame spiral. When something ends, we might really get whacked by that. And listen, endings are tough no matter how you spin it, no matter what the circumstances they, they suck. You know, it's not great territory to have to navigate, but endings are a part of life. Endings are part of relationships. And until we get right with the idea that, you know, endings are going to happen, whether we like it or not, whether we want it to or not, they are going to happen. And if I'm in resistance to that, if I'm unconsciously fighting that idea, I'm not actually fully living in the present because I'm so busy trying to protect myself from the inevitable and try and magically prevent the inevitable from happening. And you may think that that's kind of a negative (laughs) stance on things, but it's a a real stance on things. It's an honest stance on things. And so much of our relational programming is locked up in fantasy land. It's not actually rooted in reality. It's not rooted in truth. It's not rooted in honesty because to be rooted in truth and honesty requires you to look at reality. And sometimes reality stings. Sometimes reality sucks. Sometimes reality is really painful. 
And if we don't have the emotional capacity and the emotional skills to navigate the intensity of the sensation, so it's also a somatic thing. We have to have the somatic capacity and the emotional capacity. So we have to be willing to let ourselves feel the feelings that are very human to feel. And we also need to have enough capacity or spaciousness in the body to allow that emotional processing to happen. This is why in my embodied alchemy containers, we really fine tune this. We get into the body. We move with the sensations of the body for a reason so that you can start to build capacity when you're not in breakdown. If you try and build capacity when you're in a full spiral, that's going to be pretty challenging because, well, you're in a spiral. It's when you have the least amount of capacity. So one of the ways in which we can set ourselves up for success in life is by practicing on the back end of our lives ways in which we can expand our somatic capacity, so in our body, and the ways in which we can expand our tolerance for our emotionality. And when we can expand our capacity for our emotional, you know, essence, because if you are a human on this planet in earth school, you are emotional. Even if you have told yourself (laughs) for your entire lifetime, or it's been told to you that you're not emotional, that is a lie. You are. And if we can't be in right relationship with the emotionality, then the emotionality gets pushed into the shadow. It gets pushed into this place where we villainize it. We make it wrong. And when we have a part of ourselves that we think is bad or wrong, a lot of our energetic resources go to keeping it locked down so that hopefully other people don't ever find this out about us. But the thing is, all of us are emotional. All of us are. And yet the skills for emotional literacy and emotional health aren't exactly prioritized in a lot of places on this planet. It's not really prioritized in a lot of family systems. Definitely not prioritized in a lot of institutions like the school institutions or the governing institutions. Like, we don't prioritize this stuff. It's been invalidated for centuries, you know, for a very long time. This part of our, our essence has been pushed to the shadow. But when we push it to the shadow, Whenever we bump up against a inevitable point in time where we are faced with an ending, we are going to collapse in that moment. We are going to kind of trip up and fall into that spiral of, oh, look, I'm such a shameful person for, you know, not getting it right or having this failed relationship or not being able to, you know, stay at my job or whatever it is that is the failure that you're bumping up against. And your relationship to your emotions 
often will determine whether those emotions can move through you and process properly or whether they will take you on a wild ride and try and essentially sink you. Because when we have not been tending to a certain part of who we are, that part will try and have its way with us. Because the body and the spirit and our energetic system is trying to come into balance. It's trying to come into harmony. And harmony in this sense is all parts belong. It's not harmonic in the system to be suppressing the emotions because when you suppress them, if you've ever done this yourself or maybe you've witnessed this in someone else who really suppresses a lot of emotion, there is an inevitable point where they blow up and then they spill all of that undigested emotional debris on anyone within a close radius. So they essentially will take down other people and there will be a lot of collateral damage there. And in relationships, some of this collateral damage, unfortunately, is irreparable. Now, that's not always the case, but often that's what happens is that, you know, we build, we build, we build, we blow. And in the blow... There are people who are inevitably in the field of that and they take the hit and, you know, their emotional intelligence might be like, you know what? No. Their self-worth might be like, you know what? No. This is not okay. I will not put myself in the line of fire. I will not be someone's emotional batting ram. I won't do it. And if we want to prevent all of that fuckery from happening, it is so important that we take responsibility for these parts of ourselves, that we take responsibility for our emotions. And taking responsibility for them first means admitting that we are emotional creatures. Human beings are emotional creatures, period. And then we want to look at what is my relationship to my emotions, do I allow certain emotions to be there and I'm in approval of those? And then there are certain emotions that I'm really not in approval of. And when you take that inventory, that gives you a starting point. Because once you know it first, like what emotions you are in approval of, you can give yourself a little pat on the back and be like, okay, good job me. You know, there are certain emotions that I am okay with expressing. And then we want to look at the ones that you're not, that are really challenging for you. And those are the ones where your work begins. We want to explore and uncover why those certain emotions might be challenging for you. What did you learn about those emotions? Who did you learn that from? Where did you learn that? And is it true? And often we will believe things are true because we don't have any other evidence to the contrary. And when we start, you know, opening our minds up, when we start opening our hearts up, when we start getting into the body and releasing a lot of, you know, pent up, stored up, 
gripped up energy, um, some of the wounding codes that are in our system, when we start moving and releasing that energy imprint and those energies, we start to see like, huh, maybe some of the things that I assumed were truth, maybe there's more to the story than what I know. And that's a really powerful place to be where we can explore the possibility that we might be wrong about certain things that we were convinced that we were right about. And this level of humility is what all relationships require if they, if you want them to be healthy, but that humility is also necessary for navigating the inevitable experiences of endings. Because again, if we are touching this thread of humility, when we come up against an ending, the automatic behavior isn't a collapse. It's, you know, maybe a slight contemplation of like, hmm, maybe we've gone as far as we can go. Hmm. Maybe we, we, actually weren't as aligned as, you know, parts of me wanted to believe. Maybe my codependency interfered here. Maybe their codependency interfered here. And we got ourselves into this codependent loop. And perhaps uh, both of our souls are like, hey, there's something more. There's something more here. But you know, you've played this out so many times with each other that you're not going to get out of it with each other. That happens sometimes. You know, there are also occasions where people can work through like really gnarly patterns that have been there and they come through the other side and they've transformed their relationship. But that requires two people who are willing to do all of the work necessary in order to walk through those essential initiations. And it also requires both of those people to be moving at similar paces with their healing work. So it doesn't have to be the exact same. Um, You know, there's always going to be one person that's a little bit ahead and one person that's a little bit lagging and uh, that's, that's always going to happen. But if there are miles and miles and miles between where you are and where they are, you're probably not going to be able to arrive at that transformed destination uh, anytime soon. Because one person will have to pump the brakes on their transformation, on their growth, and wait for the other one to catch up. And the one who is behind is likely going to feel a lot of shame because they can't go faster than the pace that they go. And this is one of the cruel things that we do to each other is that we we do make each other wrong for the pace that we go. And so that automatically sets us up to have this low-grade vibration of shame that is the undercurrent for all of the relational and personal development work that we do because we feel like we're behind. We feel like, oh, I I should be so much further ahead. Anytime you hear yourself saying should, (laughs) uh, remind yourself that, hmm, maybe, maybe that's not it. You know, maybe 
there's something more here. Uh, shooting is a signal that I'm about to veer off the path of truth and slide into the path of distortion. So anytime you hear shooting, either internally or you hear it come out of your mouth or you hear it from somebody else. So somebody else might say this to you. Be like, ooh, this is a signal that I might slip into that path of distortion. And what would it take to stay in alignment with the path of truth? Because to stay in alignment with the path of truth requires you to look at, you know, the pace that I go for my healing is the divine pace that is right and true for me. I can't go faster than the pace that I go. And I see this a lot in the work that I do, especially in my, my practitioners community. And this is just to be clear, initiated being a practitioner's community, it's the foundations for relational mastery. So everyone who comes into that program is devoted to their practice of relational mastery. There are fundamental modules and tools that are revealed in that program. And everyone who is in that container has a commitment to themselves and to me in the, in the container, in the community, to be in practice with what they are learning. And so when we are in that right relationship of I am a practitioner of relational mastery. That doesn't mean, you know, and I know that there are some places where a practitioner means a facilitator. That's not the context that I'm speaking about here. I'm talking about practitioners as people who are practicing the tools that they are learning. Because this is where a lot of personal development and relational development goes wrong, is that it stays up in the intellect it stays up in the mind. And so we learn these things. And if you were on my free community call this month, you will have heard me talk about this. Learning something or knowing something doesn't always make a difference. It, and for a lot of people, it rarely does. So why you can read a book and it doesn't change your life. You know, you might get hyped for a few days or you take a class or a you know weekend seminar and you get all jacked up and you're feeling really good and then you come back to your real life, your day-to-day -day life and there's this collapse that happens. You can't sustain the momentum that was built in that weekend because it hasn't been integrated yet. And so when there isn't proper space for practice, the practice is your vehicle to integration. You can't integrate new relational skills without practicing them. And if we have this idea that we need to go really fast, really fast leaves zero space for practice and integration. Going fast is about getting to the end destination because there is a belief that once I'm at the end destination, everything will feel better. So let me just 
get there really quickly. Let me blow through all of the initiations and, you know, checkpoints along the way. Like, let me just like speed through those and then I'll end up at the end destination. But what happens when people do that is they might end up in the end destination. So let's say the end destination is a relationship. You know, what they really, really want is a committed relationship. So they speed through uh, all of their relational mastery practicing and AKA they don't do it. And then they end up in the relationship and there, there's a, something about high quality, high, high quality partnership that requires you to be impeccable with your word, impeccable with your behavior, impeccable with your energy. And when we haven't practiced these skills along the way, we will end up in that relationship feeling like a fraud, feeling like we don't deserve to be there. We don't belong there. And there's also this other part in our psyche that's like, you don't actually know how to hold the complexity of the type of relationship that you want. So of course, there's going to be this very wobbly imposter syndrome thing going on. And then of course, a relationship like that ends and then we get whacked and we think, wow, I'm such a failure. Look at me. I've done all of this work and I still ended up here. Failed relationship. In my opinion, that is missing the mark of doing this work. If we are really doing this work and we are integrated and we are practicing the skills that we are learning, so we are taking the knowledge, the things that we are learning, and we are moving them into changed behavior. The only way you change your behavior is by consistently doing something differently. So knowledge is a really important part of this process because it teaches you different things that you could be doing. And where the stickier part is, is applying the things that you learn and changing your behavior in real time. So, you know, people often just want to live a life where they never get triggered. And it makes me laugh because when we get triggered, that is the opportunity. That is the moment where we have a choice whether we are going to groove in an old behavior pattern that reinforces all the beliefs and um, energies and patterns that we're trying to get away from. So we'll either groove in a familiar place or in that moment we have an opportunity to do something different, change our response, change the way that we handle a situation. And you know, once you've done it once, you'll be able to replicate it again. But we have to replicate this multiple times before it becomes an integrated part of our behavior and just a part of who we are. You know, you don't go to the gym and lift one weight, you know, and do one rep and then be like, why am I not ripped? You know, <laughs> we got to go to the gym on a consistent basis and you need to train those muscles properly. 
So if you pick up a weight that isn't very strong or isn't very heavy, um, it's not going to do a whole lot. But when you take a weight that challenges your muscles, that fatigues your muscles, and then you have a period of rest after that, that's where the muscles begin to build. The same is true emotionally and relationally. And those moments where we're picking up the heavier weight in a relationship is those moments of conflict, are those moments where historically we would have behaved in a certain way and in that moment we make a choice to do something different. That's where we're starting to build up new muscles. That's where we're starting to practice new ways of being, new skills. And without this period of time where we can actively practice this material, you know, learning about it in a book or on a podcast or, you know, wherever you learn it, it isn't automatically going to change your behavior. It isn't necessarily going to change the outcomes for you. Because to change the behavior and to change the outcomes requires your active participation. It requires you to actively make new choices in the heat of the moment. And this is really challenging to do. Like, I don't want to sit here and be like, this is so easy. It's not. It is not easy. That's why there are spaces where you can go to be guided and mentored and supported through that period of time where you're practicing new skills. And as we practice these new skills, each time you come up against that old challenge, because you will, you will get many opportunities to practice this in your life. You will notice if you are also doing the somatic work on the back end, that there is a little bit more capacity each time. You will also notice if you are doing the work to get in right relationship with your emotions and you're allowing your emotions to move through you in a really respectful and powerful way, that when you come up against these challenges, you're not as emotionally rocked by them because our emotions will distort things. And they will feed into old stories, old perspectives. And so we have to have the somatic spaciousness, but we also have to have the emotional connection to be like, is this, is my reaction here a response to what's actually happening in real time? Or is this hitting something old in me that is not fully healed all the way through. That takes a lot of awareness to be able to do that in the moment. And people get really frustrated that they can't do that in the moment. And one of the reasons why is because there just hasn't been a proper holding through the initiation of learning to practice and integrate these new skills. There hasn't been enough, you know, guidance or mentorship around, you know, what it takes to be in right relationship with your emotions. How do we process our emotions effectively? Um, How do we work with the body and allow 
for somatic release in the body. You know, we, again, like it's that analogy of wanting to speed through that territory and somehow magically step over that transformative work. But if we want to rewrite this idea that endings are in no way, shape or form an actual failure, we have to have all of these other aspects in harmony with each other. We have to be able to trust ourselves that, you know, I entered into this relationship out of my own free will. And there is a part of me that knows that when I enter into any relationship, there is something truly golden for me to learn there. Every relationship you have will teach you more about yourself if you are willing to pay attention. Every relationship you have will reveal to you more about what it is that your heart truly desires. Now, if you have been in my Codes of Quantum Love class, you will have heard me say that many times. And if you are not in that class, you know, there are opportunities and ways in which you can access that class. And I will let you know that at the very end today. And you know, when we really look at relationships this way of like, there's something in this relationship that, you know, is leading me to understand myself in a more intimate and deep way. That's so powerful. And when we're able to kind of filter and distill down, what about this relationship gave me clarity around what my heart truly desires? Because Truth be told, some relationships you have are there to show you the contrast of what you don't want so that you can be very clear about what you do want, which is often the exact opposite of what you experienced. And so those relationships are sacred in the sense that they reveal to you what you want through the experience of what you don't want. And that often, I don't know why we do this as human beings, but we do. We like to experience what something is not before we move into experiencing what it truly is that we desire. So when we look at relationships that way, when they end, you know, if we code it as a failure, then we miss the opportunity to mine for that gold. We miss the opportunity to look at, hmm, what are the ways in which I showed up differently in this relationship? And yeah, that is some major progress there. That is progression. I showed up differently. I did these things differently. Now, the other person might have, you know, acted out in a similar way to an old pattern that you see in some of your exes. But If you showed up differently, if you did things differently, you actually get to code that as progress. You get to count that as progress. It's something that you actually get to celebrate about yourself after, of course, you've gone through the initial grief portal. And when we can look at, okay, these are the ways in which I showed up differently. I'm really proud of myself for being able to show up in these ways. And then we look at, you know, where are the areas where I still need some, you know, improvement? 
where the muscles in that area aren't as strong as they could be. What are those areas? And you have to be able to tell the truth on yourself because a relationship is a two-person system. If we're talking about monogamous relationships, which is what I do. Um, when a relationship ends, it's a byproduct of both people. And if we want to hold this victim consciousness position of like, woe is me, everything is happening to me, there's no power in that. There's no true power in that. There's no sovereignty in that. There's no anchored truth in that. And that's different from enduring violence or enduring abuse in a relationship. In that case, there is an actual victimization that has occurred that is very different than the perceived victimization of I'm just a bad person because this didn't work out or they didn't choose me and nothing is ever working out in my favor. Do you feel the difference? Do you see the difference? Because it's really important that you do not distort what I'm saying because if you distort what I'm saying, you're going to miss the gold. So don't get whacked <laughs> by, you know, that wording of, you know, victim consciousness because that's what it is. It's a consciousness. It's a way of perceiving and understanding the world around you that feeds your wound stories, that feeds your core wounds. And if we want to move into the territory of really powerful, healthy, conscious relationship, we have to give up our addiction to victim consciousness. And every time you look at, okay, what are the ways that I'm really proud of my conduct and how I showed up in this relationship and the things that I legitimately did differently. And then you also do the flip side of that, which is where are the places where it's still sticky? Where are the places where I'm still getting tripped up? And you're honest about that. Every time you do that process, the investment into victim consciousness begins to dwindle. And we are now investing into more sovereign consciousness which is ultimately where we want to be because that sovereign consciousness sets you up to be in very powerful relationship with yourself and opens the gateway for powerful relationship with other. And when we can look at, you know, these are the things that I learned about myself and these are the things that are now very clear to me that are requirements in my next relationship. When we can look at that and say, all right, you know, this, this was a very valuable experience. I learned a lot here. If you can find one, even just one thing that you're taking away that is going to support the evolution of your relationships, that relationship was not a failure. That relationship was not a waste of time. But when we code them as failures or wastes of time, it allows us to avoid doing this exploration. Um, and that's, you know, it's a tricky place to be. You know, it's not going to set you up to have the relational dream in your heart if we're not taking an active look at, like, what what's my role here? You know, what are the ways in which I contribute 
to the relationship and ultimately the relationship going in the direction that it did. And it's not necessarily about, you know, being hard on yourself, but it's what was I invested? What stories, what beliefs was I invested into really believing that had me play this out in this dynamic? And when we can just name those things without collapsing into shame, that's where you literally open new portals and new pathways for more love to flow through your experience. This is a really powerful place to be, friends. Very powerful. And ultimately, each relationship you have leads you closer to the relational dream in your heart. And the idea that we should just automatically land in the relational dream in our heart after, you know, one go, you know, it, it kind of keeps us locked in this fantasy pattern and we have to dismantle the fantasy in order to open into the truth of love. So if you're really desiring the truth of love, the fantasy has to die. And with it, all of the patterns and beliefs that uphold parts of the fantasy. And fantasy is both, you know, the in, the happily ever after, I can do no wrong, but it's also the fantasy about, you know, the wounding stories you hold about your worthiness. Those are also fantasy. They're not real. Even though they feel real. You know, I, I don't want to discount that because, you know, our, our beliefs that we hold that uphold our unworthiness wound They feel really real, but that doesn't mean that they are because as we start to tease this out, as you start to do more somatic work, as you start to do more emotional release, you go down, 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 and eventually you hit the truth about who you really are and the magnificence of the truth of who you really are. It's a really powerful place to be, and it takes a lot of courage to step into that path, to step into that work. And, you know, you might be listening to me like, Kelsey, I don't want to do this type of work. I just want to, you know, go through life and enjoy my life. That's fine. That is totally fine. This podcast, my work is for people who are invested and committed and devoted to the path of relational mastery and literally designing their heart's desire into form. So the people that work with me are the people who not only know that the relation, the relational dream in their heart is possible, but they are ultimately devoted and committed to walking the path in order to set that dream ablaze. And they are the people who actually get to live the experience of the relational dream in their hearts because they do walk this more integrated path. They are willing to take the slower route. They're not, you know, needing to force and push and move through these transitions and these initiations quickly. They're willing to go slow and they're willing to practice. So if that is who you are, welcome to the club. Welcome to the family. So happy to have you here. And if you're ready to go in and deepen that work, 
I'm going to put the link to initiated in the show notes today. And there is an initial attunement video. So you opt in, you put your email and your information, and there's a video that you get taken to. It's a transmission. So there's a a teaching for you there for free. And that will attune you to the frequency of initiated to make sure that you are not only a vibrational match, but you're like, yeah, this is the direction I want to go. So intellectually, emotionally, energetically aligned. And if that feels right and true, there's more details about the program, all the logistics for you, and then the application. So if that path feels like, yes, I actually want to bring my relational dream to life in this lifetime, that is the path for you. And, you know, in that path, we will continue to unwind this nefarious belief of endings as failures. And we give you a new code in there. You got a little taste of that code today. And we will continue to anchor that through in initiated. So if that feels like the next step for you, that will be available in the show notes for you today. And if the more somatic and emotional work is what's calling to you and you're like, I'm not quite ready to step onto the practitioner's path, I need a little bit more space and time. That's okay. You can join the Embodied Alchemy membership. And that is a place where you get access to all of my Embodied Alchemy classes, both past and present and future as for the entirety that you are in the membership. You get access to all the live classes that happen. And that includes the next series, which is going to be a series on people-pleasing. You will also get access to the breakup uh, somatic sessions that I do that are included in my new breakup program that will hopefully be coming out later this month. And you will get access to all of that by being a part of the membership. So I'll put a link to that one also in the show notes. And if you loved the episode, if you got something out of the episode, please feel free to head over to iTunes and leave us a detailed review or even just a five-star review that really supports the show. It helps other people who are on this path of relational mastery find their people, find their containers, be supported and I just deeply, deeply value hearing your feedback and hearing your takeaways and the ways in which this podcast and this work is serving you currently. So thank you for taking the time today. I appreciate you all so much, and I will be back next week with another episode. Bye, friends.